live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. All right, we have officially made it halfway through the week, right? This is Wednesday. This is the midpoint of our sports huddle for a Wednesday and for the week. So half of it's behind us and the second half to go. Hopefully it will be even better than the first half, and we know it will be as we start out the second hour of today's sports huddle. Uh, welcome or welcome back. Hopefully you were with us in the 4 o'clock hour. You know we dominated the conversation with a lot of baseball in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll do a little bit more of that later in the 5, but we're going to press pause on that, go in a couple of other sports directions to get the 5 o'clock hour underway. Welcome back. Bob Black here, AJ producing in our ESPN Richmond studios and our top of the hour guest, and he's getting ready to get back into this biz again in addition to everything else he does and during the football season has been a regular contributor on our program and it's great to catch up with him in the summertime and particularly when he has really good news to share for us and for the listeners down in the Norfolk area he's our good friend Scott Jackson who joins us this afternoon Scott congratulations and how have you been my friend I'm hearing you guys as well, so I'm kind of having a hard time. As Chris Canty is screaming under me right now. Wow, Chris Canty versus Bob Black. There we I'm go. not there sure. We go. Much would, better, much better. Thank you. Whoever did would, that. Would Chris Canty win that screaming match, or would Bob Black win that screaming match? I don't know. He was pretty fired up. They were talking Powerball <laughs> or something uh, about winnings, and I, I don't know. It was like I was hearing two things at once, and I was like, man, I got to really get this tonight's fix. But anyway, <laughs> or, uh, thank you. Or, I- or would Scott Jackson? <laughs> win that screaming match now that you're now that you're back in the biz uh tell our audience a little bit about what's happening with you scott and how it all kind of came about for you it's very exciting particularly for the listeners down there in norfolk well thank you uh yeah looking forward to getting started uh july 31st down at uh priority automotive sports radio 94 <laughs> one uh espn radio gonna make sure I, I take care of priority automotive good people uh so uh down selmore appreciate that so yeah, I'm going to be starting there, um, kind of a full-circle moment in a sense, where I started at a college at Old Dominion. I was at the Score 1310 way back when, which was the only all-sports station down there, the same uh, you know, same group of, of radio stations, um, in addition to the country music fans out there, the New Eagle 97 probably. So uh, it's the Old Dominion flagship. Of course, I've been doing games for them on uh, ESPN+, Plus, in addition to Commander's uh, Radio uh, over the last couple of years, and obviously I was doing a ton of stuff for the Guys up in D.C. at 980 and 106.7 as well. But, yeah, you know, look, I've been, I've been kind of in this space since the, uh, the Red Zebra end uh, where I've been a freelancer for almost going on five years. I mean, it's been a long road uh, to get back to a Monday through Friday, kind of a somewhat stable situation, although we've doing a lot of other things. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm glad I could do it down there. I really like the people down there. Still know a lot of people that, I mean, my God, I started radio Real long ago, they, they did a real nice thing. They like to mention how many years I've been doing radio this week, which really made me feel bad uh, and old. But, you know, so a lot of the people are still there. Uh, a lot of people I know are still in the audience, which have been really just overwhelmed with the, the nice things people have said over the last uh, day and a half about, you know, excited to have me back down there. So I'm looking forward to it. So we'll get started in, you know, a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, got a lot of things to talk about down there. A lot of things that people talk about in Richmond, they talk about down there and D.C. as well. It's a lot of crossover. So, 
that part of it's good. Obviously, the Tides are having an amazing season, uh, the Orioles AAA team, and uh, that, that, that'll be fun to watch down the stretch in the International League and, and obviously excited about uh, that Old Dominion uh, Virginia Tech opener on that Friday uh, before Labor Day. That's going to that's gonna be a lot of fun. And, of course, you'll also have the Commanders to talk about. Oh, yeah, about. there's that. There is that. And within the next 48 hours, it should be the new Washington Commanders, right? I mean, I'm looking at one headline yep. right now. Final obstacles for Commanders sale are removed. This should be voted on tomorrow, Scott, and the sale should be finalized by Friday, right? Knock on wood, this should be happening. Yeah, and, and it's going to be exciting to hear Josh Harris because, I mean, let's be real, this, this is an owner, or this is a franchise, excuse me, that has not had an owner really speak to its fans about anything uh, except, uh, hey, I'm hiring this guy and it's going to work this time kind of stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. all we've heard. Or him talking in front of Congress via Zoom, uh, being deposed, you know, these kind of things, or, you know, leaked uh, audio of him talking to get his gaming license. I mean, that's all we've heard from our owner uh, of this franchise for, over the last uh, two, you know couple seasons, so it's been weird. I mean, there's you know we have uh, a situation where you're going to actually have a, a face and a voice and, and somebody with an accountability and a group with some accountability and with some roots in the area. Um, and I think with more importantly some pro sports experience. And I know, look, uh, you're you're a Philadelphia guy, you know, Sixers. Not, it's not all perfect. Uh, nope. The New Jersey Devils, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild and they they, they hit hit it pretty good this year, but it's still early stages. Uh, but he comes in here with pro sports experience. I do think that's important. And look, the, the biggest thing is he's just not Dan Snyder. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> the, the bottom line is the new person is not Dan Snyder. We've already seen some obstacles cleared uh, for Josh Harris and this group if if they want to uh, take advantage of him in terms of the District of Columbia with the stadium. Now I don't know how far that'll go. I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to absolutely happen there, but it's certainly more. And roads have been built and, and already are tr- attempted to be paved for them than there ever was. For, for Dan Snyder uh, over these uh, last uh, few decades as the owner of, of the uh, Washington Redskins, Washington football team, and Washington Commanders. Scott, is that the expectation that when this goes through, there will be you know an immediate public presence of Josh Harris? I mean, there are a lot of owners and a lot of yeah. sports who don't who don't do that sort of thing, and not for bad reasons like like Snyder. They they just stay kind of behind the scenes, but. Is it important that he gets out in front and make sure the fan base sees the new face of the franchise? Absolutely, and I think he's got to put out the vision. You know, they're going to talk about obviously looking for a new home. That's a big long-term project for the stadium. Uh, you got to talk about the short term as well. I think a lot of our fans want to know: Is Commanders here to stay? I think it is. I don't think there's any chance of rebranding, but you know, he needs to get that message out there quickly. I think he'll be asked about it if he doesn't want to share it. Um, he's got to talk about, obviously, what kind of environment they're going to build for uh, the team, uh, the people that work there in the front office, and the staff that was not present, obviously, when Dan Snyder was at his worst and was involved. Obviously, the last several years, he has not been involved much at all, uh, you know, by NFL, uh, you know, NFL punishment or whatever you want to call it, or his own punishment of himself, if you believe some of the things that have been written here recently. So, however that worked, uh, you know, he hasn't really been hands-on, I mean, and, and then obviously the expectation of the team, more importantly, I think, for a lot of us, we just want to finally get through all the excuse-making and the built-in, oh, it's impossible to win here because of Dan stuff is, you know, what, what's going to happen with the team if they don't hit their goals this year? I mean, is it is it going to be, uh, you know, Josh Harris, is he going to immediately put somebody in that front office to have eyes and ears on what's going on, you know, to kind of have a closer look at the staff and those kind of things? So, you know, I think that's what we want to hear. We want to hear what the expectations are what he thinks. I mean, this was a team that was very close to making the playoffs last year. 
Um, you know, you could certainly argue if they hadn't put Carson Wentz back on the field, maybe they would have actually made it, won that Cleveland game. We'll never know. Unfortunately, but it's certainly um, in any other offseason, I think last year you could have really made a case to fire the person who made that decision, which was Ron Rivera. But because it was such a goofy uh, scenario, he was able to throw you know Scott Turner under the bus, who he had extended the previous offseason, obviously bring in Eric Bieniemy, And, you know, Eric Bieniemy had a huge canvas here uh, to be really kind of setting the agenda for what they're doing in these uh, offseason workouts and scheduling and things like this. It's quite fascinating to watch uh, out there and hear uh, because he seems, you know, if you didn't know any better, if he just popped in, if you were just did, had no idea what the dynamics were there, you would think he was the guy in charge. Hmm. I would say it's fairly obvious, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, the overriding storyline as we get onto the field in just a week from now when training camp starts is Sam Howell quarterback and all eyes yep. are normally on the quarterback anyway. I get that, especially in Washington. And you've, you've detailed Eric Bieniemy's presence as well. And feel free to articulate on that. But is there an underlying storyline beyond that that you're particularly intrigued by as camp starts in another week? Well, I mean, again, just what's Ron Rivera's role in all this? I mean, he's bemoaning, um, you know, he and Jason Wright were having competitions to kind of elbow their way into the conversation this offseason for their new bosses. It appears Jason Wright's going to be here. Uh, I think Ron's certainly going to be here for this season. But, you know, he was kind of bemoaning all these other distractions he had to deal with. Well, now all the distractions will be eliminated. Uh, let's work your magic here in year four because, I mean, if you don't, I mean, there's really no point in starting year five. So I think the big thing is, you know, He's, his job's on the line. Um, the rest, most of the staff, I'm sure, would fall into the same, you know, scenario depending on what the next person would do. But is there a way Eric Bieniemy, quite frankly, can build himself up here? You know, if he can make something out of Sam Howell in year one, even if they don't make the playoffs, it'd be fascinating to see how that could potentially go if you put him in position to be where he's, you know, so many times been uh, stopped, which is as a head coach. So I think there's there's some of that little underlying stuff there, I believe, and you know, more importantly, you know, it's just. Can, can this offense get better? I mean, how, however it happens, whether it's running the ball or is it, is it Sam Howell throwing the football, uh, they got a lot of skilled position guys that have some talent. Offensive line is still a huge question mark. Defense appears to have uh, you know made some nice additions in the secondary, but until we see it, you know, we won't know. They've they've done some good things, but they've never really been that type of defense that that can flat out win games for you on the regular basis. But you know, early in the season, they may need to carry this team. Uh, because, you know, the offense is still very new. It's, just, again, a first-year starter, all those things. So it, it's really just about winning. I mean, you know, all the excuses are, you know, can be thrown aside finally, and we, we can stop wondering if somebody's whispering in somebody's ear now. It's like, no, here, do your job and show us, you know, that uh, you can actually do the job you were brought in to do here, you know, four years ago as, as the guy who decides everything. A uh, lot, of, lot of input in the franchise from top to bottom from, from uh, this head coach. He's, he's been, you know, paid nicely for it, too, and it's got front office power. So uh, produce some results and, and less excuses. Hey, let's finish up with uh, Scott Jackson here this afternoon on the Sports Huddle 1061 ESPN. You alluded to it. Let's talk college football, Scott, for just a minute or two that, that we kind of sure. have remaining. And you mentioned Old Dominion. So, uh, and we are at, on this radio station contractually obligated to mention Old Dominion because our program director is an Old Dominion guy. No, I'm kidding. He is. Beautiful. He is. <laughs> he, he definitely is. So we do talk probably a little more yeah. Old Dominion than we normally would, which isn't necessarily yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. I, I like the folks down there at ODU as well. What's the the expectation there, Scott. I mean, three and nine last year, lost what yeah. the last five or I guess six games of the year. You mentioned it. It's not going to start easy at Virginia Tech on September second. What's kind of the the expectation down there? 
Well, like again, you know, much like the Commanders, it's like your your offense needs to take a big step forward. I mean, the defense, which is wild, because you remember the early years of old Dominion football, the defense was not very good. Mm-hmm. They finally, over the last couple of years, have had really solid defenses. You know, really good defenses and in, in, in stretches. But the offense just was not up the up the par last year. Obviously, you know, the weird situation. The offense coordinator gets fired a few weeks before the season starts. Yeah. Uh, which which kind of set them behind. You got a brand new offensive coordinator coming in from Fordham. You know they were you know they lit up the scoreboard last year in the FCS. But again, this is this is a Sun Belt, very tough conference. They got a tough schedule. They got Louisiana in week two after mm-hmm. after Virginia Tech. That that's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. So yeah, I mean I, you know to me I, it's hard to say. I mean they start practice. I think the third day I start down there. I can't wait to get over there and kind of get a feel for it. The spring stuff's fine, but as you know, until they put on pads and really get into games because there's no preseason in college football and like the nfl we really don't have a great feel and you know, they still got a quarterback battle going on they've got like i said a lot of new pieces like everybody that's a mid-major program a million new faces a lot of turnover you know on a regular basis with this transfer portal so you know how does it all mesh together and can it mesh together quickly enough to <clears throat> excuse me have like a have a, have a successful season because they lost a lot of talent i mean even though they weren't a good team i mean ali jennings goes over to virginia tech that hurt lost your top running back. I mean, these kind of things, it certainly adds up. Scott, you got a lot to talk about down there, which is why yeah. you've got you've got four hours a day to do that That's starting right. at the end of July. <laughs> I know you're fired up about that, and I, I told our audience, look, we're on at the same time now. Maybe we'll tape some conversations. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, not going to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Obviously, it wouldn't be yeah. live. Although, there could be the chance to do just like a crossover between the two sure. shows somewhere along the line. Absolutely. That would, that would be kind of cool. Anyway, congrats on that. Well-deserved. You we certainly earned it. The audience is going to love you down there, and we will certainly stay in touch. All right, Bob. Thanks. Always great talking. I appreciate you having me on. You too, Scott. Thank you. Scott Jackson uh, starts down there in Norfolk uh, July 31st, and that's perfect timing with uh, Commander's Camp underway and the college, as he said. Uh, camps will begin at Old Dominion, which they'll focus on down there, plus Virginia, Virginia Tech. It is kind of interesting what Scott mentioned. They will talk about almost identical topics to us here in Richmond, save my, maybe the, the minor league baseball, uh, you know, where they have the Norfolk Tides at the AAA level down there and an affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles, which regionalizes it even more. We don't qu- cover, you know, the Flying Squirrels quite as much here at the AA level, San Francisco, which is an outstanding organization having a great year, obviously. But there's a little more regionalization with the Norfolk Tides and the Baltimore Orioles, and that could get us into a whole discussion that if and when they ever do build this new ballpark, maybe we would get back to AAA and we would get Washington, and it would give us more of an opportunity to dive into it and talk more about it and embrace it even more. We love the Flying Squirrels. It's great entertainment value. We have Parney on. Al has them on every week. We get them every once in a while. Um, love get out to the Squirrels games. But, look, we need the new ballpark. Uh, we would talk about it, obviously, an awful lot more. You know me. I started here in Richmond in AAA baseball, even if you didn't know me, as a broadcaster for the old Richmond Braves. So I would love to see us get back to the AAA level, and I think the Washington thing makes a lot of sense and, again, would regionalize it even more. But in any event, Scott will be talking about a lot of the same things we will, and he was right about Old Dominion. They open at Tech. Remember, they had Tech at home last year. That was one of their three wins, as it turned out. That turned out to be a really bad loss. For Virginia Tech. Uh, realized that was uh, Brent Pry's first game as head coach and, you know, all of that. He was cutting his teeth, rookie, but still, that was not a good loss for Virginia Tech. So the Hokies will get an opportunity for some revenge on that Saturday night of Labor Day weekend. 
to open the season. And then, as Scott said, Louisiana, they open Sunbelt play in the second week of the year. And then they play Wake Forest the third week of the year. So they get two ACC teams sandwiched in between their Sunbelt opener. Two of those are at home, but still, that's a tough first three-game start for Ricky Ronnie and the Old Dominion Monarchs. All right, we have started the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Huddle, and here's where it's headed. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not confident in your heating and cooling provider, switch to James River Air. You could save up to 30%. Check them out online at jamesriverair.com. Let me do this as a headline, and this is transcending sports uh, a little bit, maybe even more than a little bit. I got to give a shout-out and congrats to one of my guys, former Richmond Spider basketball player, That is long in his past at this point. Uh, Former captain, in fact, which makes an awful lot of sense because today the city of Richmond announced that Rick Edwards will be their new permanent police chief. He's been the interim acting chief for a while now. And today the city of Richmond announcing uh, Richmond City Council that he will be the permanent police chief Like I said, former Richmond, solid Richmond Spider uh, basketball player. He was a captain for the Spiders. Um, He was a starter. You know, he never he was never flashy. He wasn't the double figure scorer on these teams. He probably averaged, I don't know, eight, nine points a game. Did his job rebounding, solid six-foot-eight kind of guy. Uh, And even back in those days, he talked about getting into law enforcement in some way, shape, or form. And I'm glad he did it here in Richmond. I'm glad he stayed here where he got his degree at the University of Richmond. So Rick Edwards today officially named as the permanent police chief in the city of Richmond. Here's the other thing I think is really cool from a UR perspective. Um, You know, Richmond now has two former men's basketball players as police chiefs right here in Central Virginia. You probably can't say that anywhere else in the country for, for a college or a university because Eric English is the chief of police in Enrico County and Rick Edwards in the city of Richmond. Look, they've got really difficult jobs. They Those are really high-pressure kind of positions and certainly wish the best to both of them, but particularly to Rick today on being named as the permanent police chief in the uh, – in the city of Richmond. And, I mean, that's something that Richmond will pound its chest on, and it should, the Spiders, I mean, and they should. Look, they've had guys go, you know, play professionally, coach professionally in the NBA, played overseas, all, and, and you know, all, obviously you want to use all that to your advantage. But, you know, when you got mom and dad in the living room and they're thinking about their the future of their son and you can say, look, they're going to get a Richmond degree, four years education, stay here, don't go into the transfer portal, we'll do the best we can with you with this whole NIL thing. But at the end of the day, you're getting this degree from the University of Richmond and you could wind up in positions very similar to those guys. I think that's a pretty – I know I'm biased. I work for them. I get a paycheck from Richmond. I love it. But – you got to admit that's that's a pretty impressive deal. Um, so there you go. That's one of our our headlines this afternoon. Coming up at five thirty, we get back to more baseball and sports talk. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are on a three game losing streak. What the heck is going on there? Wiley Ballard from the Braves Radio Network, their pregame show. He's going to join us at about ten minutes. Uh, let's get a break in here. We'll come back on the other side. Sports huddle rolling along on a Wednesday afternoon. One zero six one ESPN. 
The Atlanta Braves are rolling with their sights set on a sixth straight division title and their second championship in three years. Catch the action here on 1061 ESPN Richmond, your home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. Let's talk some more baseball as we welcome you back to the Sports Huddle. Bob Black back with you, 1061 ESPN. AJ on the other side of the glass doing the producing this afternoon. And specifically, let's talk some Braves baseball this segment. You'll hear Braves baseball tonight, 705 uh, on the air and 720 first pitch time against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Wiley Ballard from the Braves Radio Network, 680 The Fan down there in Atlanta, their pregame show, joins us to try to sort some things out. We're kind of in uncharted territory here, Wiley, with a three-game losing streak for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, how are you? First of all, appreciate you joining us, and what's kind of the temperature down there in Atlanta right now? I mean that figuratively, well, not, not not literally, by the way. Not literally. I can, literally, I can tell you it is quite warm, but Bob, yeah. I'm thrilled to be on the honor with you. I appreciate you guys uh, extending the invitation. And, you know, I think, I mean, you know, buzzing around the ballpark right now, everybody's kind of saying, look, Braves have still have the best record in baseball. Uh, they've got a nine-and-a-half game lead in the National League. I still think they're the class of the National League. But having said all of that, between some injuries to some key bullpen arms, A.J. Minner, Nicky Anderson, even Colby Aller, who has obviously been in the rotation the last month or so, he's now in the 60-day IL. Uh, so it looks like he could be done for the season. And you also mix in some ineffective starts from Bryce Elder. There's at least some pause of, okay, what does this pitching staff really look like in the second half of the season? And might there be some additions to it between now and a little less than two weeks, I guess 13 days from now the trade deadline ramps up? Yeah, you think uh, maybe they're becoming buyers, particularly in the pitching market, which could be pretty tough because it's going to be pretty selective in that pitching market, don't you think? It will. And I, to be fair, I mean, I think there are always going to be buyers on the pitching side, at least especially in the bullpen. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find any contender that goes through a deadline doesn't add at least one bullpen arm. But I do think they're a little more uh, at least aware of what the starting pitching market might look like. And, you know, I've spoken to some guys uh, at the field today, and I think the consensus is when you sit there and look at Bright, or, uh, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and Max Freed coming off the injured list, if he comes off and looks like himself, you feel pretty good about that being the, the top three starters in a postseason rotation. But as far as getting you from today until in the end of October, again, I don't think you're in danger of, of falling behind in the National League East race anytime soon. But I do think there's a case to be made that you'd be better off getting some other starting pitchers that give you a little more length, save the bullpen, take some of the pressure uh, off of the bullpen and some of the pressure off of those top three starters. So I'm not sure they're going to acquire somebody who's necessarily a game one or, or a game two or even a game three starter uh, in, in a playoff series. But right now, I think it's safe to say Bryce Elder's stuff does not look the same as it did even three weeks ago. And there are some questions about how effective he can be in that role. And can you find a, a, another alternative that could potentially start maybe game four of a National League championship series? Wiley, I hear this guy Otani might be a pretty good pitcher and yeah. <laughs> might 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 be out there if you need to rent him for a couple of months with the Braves. I mean, I'm being a little facetious there, but I saw one of those top ten lists somewhere today. You know, who's going to get Otani or who needs him the most? And the Braves were listed like fourth or so on that list. Would they even entertain doing something like that and giving up, you know, as many prospects as they would have to? Well, I mean, I think, obviously, anytime you have a chance to acquire a player of Shohei Otani's uh, 
caliber, you're going to entertain it. I, I think that there's two pieces to that. One, depending on who else is, is, is in the market or who else might be uh, in the bidding for Shohei Otani, I don't know if the Braves have the same uh, prospect capital as a team mm-hmm. like, I don't know, the Baltimore Orioles might mm-hmm. or even the Los Angeles Dodgers might. Because entering this season, the Braves did have one of the lowest-rated farm systems in baseball. And I think anybody in baseball would say, well, that's kind of the idea. You, you want to have a good farm system and turn it into a great major league team. You don't want to just have a great farm system and never actually have those guys pan out. So I don't think the Braves are necessarily worried about that. But at this present moment, I'm not sure if they have the prospect uh, you know, resources to pull that kind of deal off. And quite honestly, Bob, I'm not convinced Otani's going to be traded at the deadline. I mm-hmm. think... You know, a lot of insiders in baseball have some skepticism that the Angels would really part ways with him. And you know, look, I mean, Los Angeles—they've—they've they've had a pretty nice start to the second half of the season. I, I know they blew a game there against the Astros, but they've won three out of five against the Astros and the Yankees. And then moving forward, between now and the deadline, they played the Pirates and the Tigers. I'm not convinced that if the Angels don't have a, a solid week and a half here, that they might become buyers because we all know how desperate they were entering the season trying to find some way to get into the playoffs with Otani. And then here's the other piece of it. You make a lot of money with attendance. And I know attendance is not the, is not the big uh, line item that it used to be in baseball compared to television deals, but Otani really moves the needle. I'm not sure the ownership group wants to sit here and, and forfeit the last two months they have Otani on their team just because he's such a draw from a pure attendance standpoint. No, I think you're on to something there, and I'll take that one step further. And you're right. They're only four and a half out of the wild card. They're showing some life. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on all of that, and I think the financial side is a bigger part of the picture than many people are giving you credit for. So I think you're spot on, not only attendance, but I was talking with somebody today or yesterday who said, do you know the number of advertisements that they have in their stadium that are Japanese-based? Oh Japanese and if they, yes. if they get rid of him on August 1st, what's going to happen to all that ad revenue for the last two months of the season? I think the financial side of this is a very much a factor, Wiley. Oh, 100%. You know, the wild thing, too, is the Angels are actually going to be here at Truist Park uh, when the deadline passes. Oh, wow. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll be at ground zero on, on if he moves or if he's in that lineup come August 6th. Wow. I, I'm, I know which way you're leaning on that. I'm kind of with you. I think yeah. he stays uh, for <laughs> all agree. the reasons we just detailed. I, I think he stays uh, with the Angels, and they take their chances at the end of the season that, that they, but, can, they can sign him. Because they take comfort in the fact that we'll have – Plenty of time to, uh, to to offer conjecture and speculation of where he might sign long term. So uh, this no offseason, so we'll no, also no. have plenty of the sweepstakes going over the winter. You got that for sure. Hey, what what was last night like? I mean, what the heck happened there? Yeah, obviously the worst pitching night of the year for the Braves, but lost in that. It was one of their better offensive nights of the year. But who could have ever imagined? And you guys weren't alone last night. Obviously, a record breaking offensive night in Major League Baseball. But sixteen to thirteen. Yeah, I, you know, like you said, there were plenty of other teams putting up double figures, but nobody else combined for 29 runs. Yeah. It felt like we were, at, we were at Coors Field. I mean, you know, look, obviously Bryce got off to a rough start, and, and we can talk about you know what his, his role is going to be moving forward. I think there are some questions about the stuff. But offensively, I think to me, you know, as much as it raised questions about the pitching, I think it also highlights, and as we've seen over the past four months now, I mean, this offense I think still is what makes this team go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really believe that. And you got guys. Uh, in the lineup that are just having terrific years. And, and you kind of lose sight of Austin Riley, who hasn't quite been his, his MVP caliber self this year. But, man, he sure was last night. Seven RBI, a uh, couple of home runs. So that was my biggest takeaway is Austin Riley starting to look like uh, what we saw uh, in July of last year. And if he gets going, then, again, this offense only gets better. 
Yeah, I, don't, I mean, obviously it is it is a phenomenal lineup. Is there somebody maybe up and down in that lineup? Uh, you mentioned Riley, although he certainly has gotten his share of accolades and headlines over the course of time. But but somebody that's kind of a glue guy in that lineup. We obviously all know what Acuna's doing and what Matt Olson is doing. Certainly, you mentioned Riley. You know, maybe somebody else that's helping be kind of the glue guy up and down that lineup. Well, I'd have to go with Travis Darno, and like I know he's not a full-time starter for this team with with Sean Murphy's putting together. You know, to be honest with you, I think if it wasn't for Acuna, we'd be really pushing Sean Murphy's MVP case when you factor in what he's done defensively, both working with a pitching staff that's near the top of the National League in ERA and then defensively what he brings. But Travis Darno, on top of that, he you know he's been here now for four seasons, and when you uh, you know Freddie Freeman's gone, Dansby Swanson's gone, he's really one of the more vocal leaders and, and most long tenured. Uh, Braves players on this current roster, along with Ozzy Albies and Acuna, obviously. But for me, it's Travis Darno. And, and, and if you don't believe in the glue factor element, just look at the extension they gave him yesterday. I mean, yeah. he is now signed up, uh, you know, for another year uh, with Atlanta. And, and I think you talk to anybody on this pitching staff or on or in the lineup, you know, they point to him and say he's a huge part of the chemistry of this club. And on top of that, you know, there aren't many teams that have their catcher batting fourth like the Braves do with Sean Murphy. There are even fewer. Who, when they give their catcher a day off in Sean Murphy, the, the guy who comes in behind him is also batting fourth. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say enough about what the Braves have done offensively at the catcher position. I think it's really been a, a differentiating factor for them the last couple of years. Yeah, just a, a dominating lineup up and down, no, no doubt about that. Finishing up with Wiley Boward, uh, Braves Radio Network on the pregame show down there in Atlanta. This is probably the, the obligatory and obvious question when you hit a little bit of a speed bump. Look, they've lost three in a row. There's no red flag. There's no panic. 500 ball over the last 10, whatever. But, you know, the second and third place teams are so far back. You need binoculars to see them. And you really don't even have a race right now to be the number one seed in the National league is human nature Wiley at all a a little bit of a part of that in the typical dog days of July and August yeah I mean it's 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 a challenge Bob I mean it's something they haven't encountered very often over this run I mean the last two seasons in particular I mean the last three heck 2020 was a sprint from start to finish obviously just 60 games uh 2021 they didn't get above 500 for another Mm -hmm. couple of weeks uh it was in early August they finally got over 500 and uh, ran down the Phillies and won the division. And then in 2022, we all know about you know the Mets getting off to that great start uh, and then Atlanta finishing with that sweep. So they've really had to kind of you know push the pedal to the metal in the second half of these last few seasons. This year's a little different, you know. And, you know, heck, you, you look at a guy like Bryce Elder who's, you know, starting more regularly and in higher profile games than he ever has in his career. Uh, Max Fried's been injured. I think there's some benefits for this team as far as easing in uh, to the stretch run here, trying to make sure that all their pitchers are healthy. Because like you said, you know, the Phillies are nine and a half games back. The Marlins are 10. The Mets, you know, as, as much money as they have invested in that team, I mean, they're not even in, in the same zip code uh, as Atlanta right now as far as the standings are concerned. So I think, if nothing else, it affords the team an opportunity to sort of get healthy, you know, I, I don't want to say rest up, but just sort of maybe exhale a little bit. But I, I say that. This team's not used to losing three in a row. I can promise you they're, they're coming to the ballpark today with a little extra ads trying to snap the streak. And they're coming with a veteran tonight, too. My money would be on Charlie yep. Morton to get, get, his 11th, yeah, to get his 11th win tonight. Wiley, uh, great stuff. Really enjoy it. Always enjoy talking the baseball. And hopefully we can do it a couple more times as we get towards the end of the season and then on into the playoffs. So thanks for the time this afternoon. Yeah, Bob, you tell me the date and time, and I'll be there.
You got it. We'll do it. Thank you, Wiley. Uh, Wiley Ballard. Yep. Thank you, Wiley, from the Atlanta Braves Radio Network and their pregame show down there on the fan in Atlanta. Uh, They're on the air even ahead of the leadoff man show that you hear here on 1061 ESPN at uh, at 705 and then the game at 720. AJ, you did hear what he said, didn't you? The New York Mets aren't even in the same zip code with the Atlanta Braves. What zip code are you in, AJ? He's lucky I like him. You, you didn't think I was going to let that go by, did you? I thought you might. There was a lot of bets talks there. But Wiley's put, cool people, so yes, we'll let is. it slide. You, you might have to put a second stamp on that envelope. You're not in the same zip code. You're so far. I did walk out of the booth for a second. <laughs> All right, but you're back in there. And, hey, you got Justin Verlander pitching tonight for the Mets against the White Sox. Hopefully you don't have another 11-10 to 10 game uh, there, there at City Field. Mr. Uh, Upton is going to get us a win tonight. There you go. Okay. I'll go for that. No problem. I'm not rooting for the Mets, of course. That's for sure. All right. uh, One more segment to go. Been kind of a a fun show, as it's turned out this afternoon. A little disjointed, but still fun and hopefully a little entertaining and a little informative as well. Final segment to wrap it up for a Wednesday afternoon, 106.1 ESPN. August is just around the corner. And around these parts, that means we're getting close to spider football. Catch every game during the 2023 season here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061 ESPN Richmond. segment of the Wednesday Sports Huddle. Hey, AJ, you remember yesterday we were talking about those uh, little yellow rubber ducks? Remember that conversation? 100%. Why did that even come up? I don't even remember. Oh, the Akron rubber ducks. That's yep. who the squirrels are, right? And we mentioned, you know, the, the hotel chain that gave them out, but we also mentioned the duck race. Yeah, that's where I fell in love with the ducks. I, I just saw it's set to go. It's Saturday, August 5th on Browns Island. I mean, this is pseudo sports, right? It's a race. We'll call it sports. It can be on a sports talk show. I, I honestly think it's bigger than the Watermelon Festival, to be honest with you. Wow. It's huge RVA stuff, that, That's that a big duck one. race. Maybe we should get out there and do a little play-by-play of the RVA duck race. We should sponsor. We can sponsor we, one, right? We probably could. I'm I'm literally on the site right now. You and I could do this because uh, you get two ducks for $12. I think we could do Now, here's the one I want. You get five ducks and a souvenir duck for 25 bucks. So I think what we ought to do is all of us should have a duck or maybe two ducks, one with our name and one with like, I'm the Mets. I'll have a Mets duck. You have a Phillies duck. I like it. And then we'll compare the next week. I like that. And we'll get out there to Browns Island and and root them on and watch the whole thing. I may uh, put a little fan or something on my duck. We're going to have to look at the rules. A little cheating, of course. You know, you ain't trying if you ain't cheating, AJ. That's right. The Mets need a little, little push. The Mets could use. Yeah, you need to push them. That's for sure. Oh, uh, that's cool. So yeah, so we were talking about that yesterday. So that's coming up here in a couple of a couple of Saturdays on uh, August August fifth. We got a lot going on in this town. We mentioned the beer, bourbon, and barbecue festival uh, that we are helping sponsor, and we'll give away some tickets uh, to that uh, coming up at the end of July as well all right i haven't done this all afternoon long and people who follow this show on a regular basis know i love this during the baseball season in those months when we get day baseball games i like to give real-time scores so i'm going to do that before we leave the airwaves 
uh, right now. The A's lead the Red Sox 6-5. to five. That would be a bad loss for Boston in a division in which everybody's over 500 in the AL East and the Athletics, one of the worst teams in baseball already with 71 losses on the year. As I said, we have a new leader in the clubhouse in the AL East as we speak with the Baltimore Orioles. So anyway, the Red Sox trail the A's out in Oakland. Uh, by a score of six to five, uh, the Pirates beat the Guardians seven to five this afternoon. They rallied for five in the seventh to win that one. The Orioles beat the Dodgers eight to five. They avoided a sweep today, but coupled with the Rangers' victory over the Rays, moves Baltimore into first place in the American League East. And the Rays and Orioles with a four-game series in Tampa Bay beginning tomorrow. Cardinals beat the Marlins again. Yes, I'm a huge Cardinals fan right now because they're beating the Marlins so the Phillies even before they play tonight have moved a full game ahead of Miami for second in the National League East. Astros beat the Rockies 4-1. to What did you say AJ? This show will never end. (laughs) Uh, Yes I'm going to go watch the Phillies game here in an hour or so because they're now in second place in the National National League East. They're even a little further ahead without even maybe they'll get rained out tonight. They'll get a gain gain a half a game without even playing. No I hope they play. I I need something to do um man the yankees only had two hits last night in losing to the angels my guy sean casey uh we said he has work cut out for him as hitting coach of the yankees and it did not go well last night they play again um this evening oh this evening here afternoon game in uh in anaheim tonight so uh padres and blue jays also this evening your mets have the white Sox. mentioned justin verlander is on the mound tonight and the nationals are in chicago under the lights at wrigley field after the cubs pounded them for 17 hits last night all right again tomorrow i'll just mention this one more time we will not be at colonial downs derby bill uh dm me he has it right we are scratched tomorrow you know when a horse can't go in a race it's called a scratch well that's us tomorrow just a few little complications there we're trying to work them out and hopefully down the road we'll be down the road going down i-64 east uh to new kent to get to colonial downs because we do enjoy it so much uh, but for the time being not at colonial downs we will be in studio tomorrow sean robertson from cbs6 and i will co-host the show tomorrow i'll tell you on a serious note one topic we did i didn't get into today and i will tomorrow and being able to banter it back and forth with sean i think will be effective and that's this whole northwestern thing the lawsuits that are coming about the idea that the acc commissioner jim phillips who was the northwestern ad several years ago could now be involved in the lawsuits it's a mess out there at northwestern so we'll talk about that we'll get into that tomorrow afternoon when sean joins me as well all right that that's it for um today thanks to scott jackson we talked some commanders in norfolk and congrats to him on becoming the sports talk show host down there in norfolk beginning at the end of july as well and wiley ballard from the braves radio network uh their pregame show join us to talk some braves baseball which you'll hear beginning at 705 tonight pregame show the braves and arizona at 720 as the braves look to snap that three game losing streak aj thanks for pushing the buttons bob black saying so long talk to you tomorrow from in studio at four o'clock with the next sports huddle on 1061 espn pearson moss at 9520 west broad street